0: This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio.
1: I think probably just focus on our own game. Obviously, they have a lot of great players on their team as well with a lot of good skill. And we just uh, have to try and limit turnovers, execute up to our standard. And I think if we kind of do that and play as a team for a full 60, that we're going to give ourselves the best chance of winning. And I think that's just probably the key for us. Don't beat ourselves. It's tough, right? You play all these games and... You go into Carolina and you score eight on 15 shots and then the next two games you score two on 75 or whatever it was. I think anybody that's watched the games, you know, knows we probably could have had some more. They just, they just didn't go in for us. So you look at our zone time, both Colorado and especially Arizona, like, we're in there a lot, much more than they're in our zone. We just got to find a way to grease one into the net. So it's not like the guy, you know, it's a lack of trying. Uh, we just got to execute better when, when it, the, the time comes. And hopefully like, tonight is a night where, um, you know, we can do that. Because it's you just can't sit there and depend on the power play every single night. And, and uh, uh, like I said, we're getting our opportunities. We just got to bury them now.
2: Yeah, that's, that's for sure you got to bury them, no doubt about that. Will they be able to bury them tonight against the Pittsburgh Penguins? Tim Benz from Trib Live Media will join us in about a half hour. I've known Benzi a long time, and I can tell you he's going to talk about the power play and how bad it's been <laughs> we break that down with him and uh, have a lot of fun. Talking about the Pens and Lightning, for sure. Dave Mishkin with me, of course, the radio voice of the Lightning. I am Greg Linnelli. And Steve Ersnick is our producer, getting you set for that game tonight. The Lightning back in action after, you know, a disappointing end to their mini three-game road trip. And I think they want that rectified. It's always fun when these two teams play, partner, because I feel like anytime you get the star power on the ice that the, these two teams can put on, it's usually a pretty entertaining game. Both teams have had their moments against one another over the last handful of years, and uh, I anticipate a little bit more of the same tonight.
0: So with Tim Benz, are you implying that somebody who covers a team in the media tends to focus on the negative rather than the positive? That's what they do, right? That's shocking. It's what they do, right? Is it what they do? I mean, I'm looking at the Penguins have five shutout wins this year. Their penalty kill is outstanding. It's sixth best in the league. They're a top-ten defensive team. And, you know, they're right in the hunt, too. I mean, they're below the playoff cut line right now, but they're certainly not out of it. And I don't know. I mean, this power play is very confounding for Pittsburgh because it's at 12.1%. They... I'll tell you exactly how many goals that they've scored, what that equates to in terms of actual goals... They've scored seven power play goals all year, which I use the word confounding. That's the right word because you have Crosby, you have Malkin, you have one game, by the way,
1: (laughs) Uh, you
0: you have Eric Carlson. Now, Carlson is new to the team, but you would figure that a guy like Eric Carlson would be able to mesh with how many future Hall of Famers are playing on that power play right now for Pittsburgh. So what I'm saying is you would figure that that percentage is going to go up. And when it does, I mean, if the Penguins can continue to defend like they've defended, they're going to be in very good shape. Both their goalies, Jari and Nedeljkovic, have saved percentages over 900, well over 900. Jari's at .916. Nedeljkovic is at .937. He's only played four games. So look, I'm, I'm taking the 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 half-full approach, probably more than half-full for Pittsburgh. But we'll talk to your longtime colleague and friend and, and get the all the dirt on the Penguins. For the Lightning, you're right. Losing streaks are a problem. Regulation losing streaks are a big problem. And the Lightning need to nip this in the bud. Now, you mentioned the Lightning and Penguins tend to have fun games or competitive games you're right about that but i tell you what the penguins have kind of had the lightning's number the last few years and i was chatting with steve mears their longtime broadcaster this morning and what he said about the penguins year is basically they've kind of played to the level of the competition now look they did beat the sharks 10 to 2 or whatever it was out in san jose when the sharks were really reeling right but he cited the fact that they've left some points on the table against teams that they probably should have gotten points from, but he added, they always get up to play the lightning. (laughs) This is a big game for Pittsburgh. Our guys always get up to play the lightning and the proof is in the pudding, right? I mean, the penguins might be kind of scuffling along and we have a game upcoming lightning penguins and you're on the show saying, yeah, the penguins are scuffling along and then the penguins look great against the lightning. So I think the Lightning should be ready for for that sort of performance from their opponent tonight, but they need to get points out of this game. I think that they've played better than their record probably in the last little while here, as opposed to maybe earlier in the year. And there's something Coop referenced this morning when he met with the media that, you know, we got points out of games where, you know, maybe we we didn't deserve points in some of those games. They've dropped points, too, in overtime, but... You know, some of those games, the Lightning kind of by hook and by crook got the game to overtime and got points. The last two, they've lost both in regulation. They played better in those games than in some of the games that they did get points out of. But at the end of the day, if you don't get points, you're going to miss the playoffs. So they need points. It needs to start tonight. This is a tough four-game stretch for them. Two against the Penguins, two against the Dallas Stars. And I think they need to kind of put behind them the frustration of not being able to finish in the last two games and start fresh against a team that is keeping the puck out pretty well this year.
2: Yeah, and, you know, it's not to say that I think Pittsburgh has been really tight defensively. Um, the numbers may suggest that. I think they are getting some s- upgraded goaltending. I-, I told you, I think Ndokovic has upgraded over Casey to Smith. Uh-huh. Uh, potentially he has pushed Jari a, a little bit more. Carlson, from what I'm hearing and from the games I've watched, is better defensively than a lot of people think. And I think they have a third and fourth line who are a little bit more defensive-minded. The issue with them is they're scoring in the bottom six as well. They're a pretty top-heavy team right now, and Raquel is injured who doesn't have a goal through however many games he played to start the year. But I think there's some opportunities here for the Lightning. What is one thing that Pittsburgh likes to do? It's, it's part of Mike Sullivan's DNA. It's to have the defenseman pinch at all times, particularly you know in the offensive zone when they're trying to sustain some offense. Uh, I think there's going to be some opportunities for the Lightning to go the other way. That being said... Pittsburgh's probably two best wins this year were against Colorado and Las Vegas. I mean, there was uh, yeah. a couple of really good performances and I agree with Mirs, I think the Penguins played to their competition in many ways, mostly because against those teams I just mentioned with the wins, there was the the potential to be embarrassed if you didn't play well.
0: And not only did they win those games, Greg, they were both played in Pittsburgh, but they they shut out the opponent in both those games.
2: Correct. And they played a smart game. Pittsburgh over the years, at times, especially over the last handful, haven't played the smartest. They don't have the horses that they once did, but their, their system is such where it's constantly go, 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 pinch, pinch, pinch. Well, what happens when you're pinching all the time? Even in, in a bad scenario. The other team... Often goes back the other way for odd man, odd man opportunities. And they're awful at late game goals, or they score a goal and the other team gets one right back. Yeah. So there may be some opportunities there for the, the Lightning tonight against, um, I, I, I don't want to say a desperate Pittsburgh team, but we talked about them at the beginning of the year. They're a team that's, what are they? are they a cup contender? You could say look you've Crosby, Malkin and Carlson, and Latang, anybody who has those four you could make the case that you're not you're not playing for the lottery, you're playing for a cup. But then it's always okay, well do you have enough players surrounding them to be good? And they're along with Washington, I think it's why you see some up and down. They're not consistent. They're going to put some games together where you're like, man, that's a playoff team. Yeah. And then they're going to have some games where you look at it and say, well, what's wrong with them? I think that's a product of their roster not being as deep as in previous years. The Lightning had been a little up and down, but a lot of people will look at the Lightning and say more consistent for sure. And I don't think they are where the Penguins are right now. Well, That's an overview.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's fair, Greg. Uh, I will share with you one other part of the conversation I had with Steve Miras, which I think you'll get a kick out of so we were standing in the lightning room it was an optional skate today for the lightning so there was basically like one guy in there but he looked at acmon stall he said this Mont, he said we saw him last year with san jose and actually i went and looked up the game log for Mont. so when he got to san jose he he actually played three games against pittsburgh last year he played one game when he was with winnipeg it was the third game of the year and it was kind of a nondescript game. He only played about four minutes. It was just the third game of the year. So he was he was finding his way with Winnipeg at that point. And then, of course, San Jose claimed him on waivers, and he played a lot more with the Sharks. So after the the Sharks claimed him, he played two more games against Pittsburgh. The first of those was in Pittsburgh, and that's the game that Mears was talking about. So I went and looked it up. In this game, which the Sharks won, by the way, last year in Pittsburgh, AC Mount had a goal. He was plus three, and he had eight shots in the game. And Mirzi was like, AC Mott was fantastic. He's like, who is this guy? And then it was the very next game that the Sharks came to Tampa, and AC Mod had the fight with Braden Point. It was right after that game against Pittsburgh. There was a little bit of a gap there because I think it was the All-Star break or where the Sharks had their bye, but it was the next game on their schedule. And then he had one subsequent game at home against Pittsburgh that was a little quieter. He still had four shots. But I'm like, yeah, AC Mountain never met a shot he didn't like, right? And he made an impression on the Pittsburgh people from this one game that he played in Pittsburgh last year for San Jose. And let's not forget, Greg, he only had five goals last year. Yeah, so that's right. He made the most of that game. Eight shots plus three. <laughs> so maybe he'll be able to replicate <laughs> that, right? Yeah. You know, teams play the lightning and sometimes, and, and you know, Pittsburgh does get up to play the lightning, but probably it's like, they're going to try and set up a glorious chance. And we need to be aware of the seam pass. We need to be aware of like Kucherov sells one thing, does something else. They're not expecting a high volume shot game, probably. And then there's AC mod who's just like puck to the net, puck to the net, puck to the net. right. <laughs> It's kind of like the anti-lightning DNA in some in some ways, but it, it's a it's a good element to have, right? Because it is different than the way a lot of the other players operate
2: on the ice. Well, that is true. There's no question about it. And if AC Mott has a goal tonight you know, and is plus
0: three, that's a very that's a very good sign for the Lightning. Are you going to go with over to Steve shots, Harrison? with eight shots?
2: With a little shots, tip of the cap. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering because you know we do, we do talk about depth scoring. I think it's one of the reasons why a lot of people are optimistic about the Lightning this year is they're finding some of that and there is the potential for that to even grow more as the season progresses. I think with Pittsburgh it's basically been Lars Eller and you know, five guys who were kind of hitting or missing. And most of the time, it's been missing. Achari's been a disappointment. Nieto's been a disappointment. Carter, we know, has been in and out of the lineup. He's no longer the 30, 40-goal scorer he once was. He's 37 years old. I'm not sure what the expectations are. Um, But that's kind of where the cap situation comes in. He signed to a two-year deal last year, and you're kind of like, okay, well, what do I do with this? And then you've got Raheem Zahora, who I like. Six-foot-six, big guy, who there's some skill there. But again, younger player, not There's not a ton of a track record there. So I think what separates these two teams, um, not only I think where their stars are, but I think where their depth is. I think the Lightning feel better about it coming off even a disappointing road trip. I think Pittsburgh's still trying to figure out, you know, what do they have? Um, Especially in net two, because haven't had a lot of success in the playoffs with Jari, and of course, Nadelkovic is new, and that's going to be something they have to get over assuming they, they get into the playoffs. But one thing they will have to contend with tonight will be Sidney Crosby and his line. Sidney Crosby uh, continues to put up numbers at a pretty alarming rate at his age. And Dave, as you know, he plays a pretty taxing game. It's not like one of those guys who skates around the ice and and just is an offensive player. Right. He's he's doing a lot of the nitty-gritty work. He's taking a lot of important face-offs. And at his age, to put up the goals he's put up so far, and then you factor in Gensel and, and, and Russ, to an extent who's been a little banged up at coming back, Uh, That's a pretty good first line. Malkin's been better for sure with Riley. And, uh, you know, they have Drew O'Connor on that line, um, who's a younger guy. But the first line, they're going to have to understand where they are. And Carlson and Latang are basically one or the other is playing with Latang or Malkin every time they step on the ice. And so that'll be something to kind of keep an eye on, particularly Carlson, who when you watch him, Uh, on a consistent basis, you can appreciate how good he is because he's been he's been he's been pretty dynamite.
0: Yeah. I mean, you talk about questions about his defending like he's a higher risk player. He always has been. But he is plus seven this year. So, I mean, you can take that for what it's worth. The Penguins have not scored a lot of power play goals. This year so, you know, the goals that they've scored have come five on five, so your plus minus is going to reflect that. So it's part of just kind of how their season has gone. But, you know, he's been on the ice for seven more even-strength goals scored than allowed, and that's positive, you know, when you're talking about Eric Carlson, and he does have six goals. You know, you brought up something at the beginning of of your last statement about the depth scoring with the Lightning, and I'm inclined to agree with you about the depth scoring the Lightning have gotten, and we're talking about the forwards, not the D. But there has been this narrative that has taken hold in the last couple of days, games, as the Lightning scored one goal in two straight games, that it's been Kucherov and Point, and the Lightning are not getting enough scoring behind them, and their five-on-five scoring is not good enough, which is why... You know, they're not getting as many points, essentially. And they need more five-on-five scoring. They need specifically more five-on-five depth scoring. And I feel that this is, first of all, it's not accurate. (laughs) Coop was asked about it this morning, and he was like, yeah, yeah, we need more depth scoring. So I think this is an example of the recent trend masking the actual actual story and the actual facts. Because you were right. The Lightning have gotten depth scoring, and their depth scoring because we know who's on the power play. The depth scoring has been five on five. The problem the Lightning have had is too many goals allowed five on five. That's why they're underwater five on five. So when I look at five on five goals for, you know where the Lightning rank? Now they played a couple more games than some of these other teams, so they've had a chance to to score more. But nonetheless, out of 32 teams. Where do the Lightning rank in five-on-five five goals four? Not differential. Take a wild guess, Greg. Goals How many five-on-five f- five goals have the Lightning scored, and where do they rank? I'm not going to ask you how many, but where do they rank
2: out of 32 teams? Well, I'm, I'm talking this out loud. I'm not looking at anything. Overall, they're in the top five in scoring, Correct. Yes, but t- obviously and, those and numbers. Pow- those are power well, plays. are they still in the that. top five? Uh, their power play is second, right.
0: so I can I have can f- look that. A
2: bunch up. of power play goals, but that's not what you're asking. You're I'm asking because five there's on this. Five.
0: Yeah, there's this idea that the Lightning are not getting enough depth scoring, and as a result, they are not scoring enough five on five. And if they got more depth scoring, their five on five numbers would improve. And what I'm saying is they've actually gotten depth scoring five on five. The problem up until this point as they played 23 games, generally has been too many goals allowed 5-on-5. Five five.
2: That is correct. So I
0: I'm gonna... saying, I'm, I'm disputing this narrative, <laughs> and I'm you asking are. you out of 32 teams, just in terms in the of 5-on-5 five five goals scored, where do the Lightning rank?
2: Middle of the pack. I'll say middle of the pack.
0: They are 11th. Okay. That's,
2: so they're that's the, better than the middle of the pack. Yeah, yeah,
0: they're in the top third, basically. Yeah. Uh, in terms of overall goals, the Lightning are 6th. point four eight. But if you look at five-on-five goals scored, the Lightning have scored 46 goals, five-on-five. They Actually, it's even better than 11th because I I was just seeing their rank. It's based on games played that they're 11th. Just in terms of goals scored, they're tied for eighth. There are four teams with 46 five-on-five goals scored, and we can look at their roster, Greg, as well, and just see... The production that they've gotten from guys not named Kucherov, Point, or Stamkos, who they've scored a lot. Particularly, Stamkos has done a lot of his work on the power play. Point and Kucherov have done both, but here are the numbers: Mott, four goals; Barry Boulet, four goals; Nick Paul, eight goals; Luke Glendening, three goals; Sorelli, three goals; Tanner Janot, four goals. I mean, that's pretty good, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that they are getting for sure. Uh, you know, you're not going to you're not going to expect. Pick one of these guys, you're not going to expect Tanner, Janot, and he did have over 20 goals a couple of years ago. But w- we kind of feel that that might have been an outlier year. Would you like to get maybe 15, 16 goals from Tanner, Janot? Well, he's got four on the way through the year. So he's on pace to to get to that mid-teen number if he can keep it up. I didn't even mention Hagel who's got 10 goals. How many power play goals has Brandon Hagel scored this year of those 10? I mean, he's doing most of his work 5 on 5. Power play goals for Brandon Hagel is 0. So, I mean, you can kind of you can kind of interpret things the way you want to interpret them. Why did the Lightning only manage to score one goal each of the last two games? Well, they didn't score in their power play, and they didn't get a lot of power play chances. So the overall premise that you can't just rely on your power play to get you your offense is true. Now, the flip side of that would be like the Pittsburgh Penguins, who are saying, our power play is, is hurting us. Like, when we need an extra goal, we're not getting it on the power play. That's a separate argument for a different team. The Lightning are in a different boat. But... You know, they did fire over 70 shots. They attempted over 70 shots in each of the last two games. And a lot of those came when they were not on the power play. The Colorado game, they were credited with eight shorthanded shots, which is kind of amusing. I think some of those were like jam around the net plays where they counted, you know, jam, 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 there's three shots, which they should. Like those are shots that the goalie stopped. But I think that I think that the Lightning have been fine offensively. I would like to see them score more five-on-five goals relative to their power play goals, but I think they are scoring enough. They had back-to-back shutout losses earlier this year, and they've had back-to-back games in which they've scored only one goal. The back-to-back games in which they've scored only one goal, they did a lot more offensively in the two games than in the two games in which they were shut out. So I think if they can continue that, the goals will come. What I am... What I am looking at, though, is they are defending better. They are defending better than they did at the start of the year. And and kind of piggybacking on your point about Pittsburgh, that will need to continue tonight. They can't have a loose defensive game against the Penguins. I don't care what their power play percentage is. Five on five, and when you're on the penalty kill, if you play loose defensive hockey against the Penguins, they will scorch you.
2: They could they could hurt you. There's no doubt. They could hurt you for sure. And, you know, it's – both teams will be tested tonight. And I think it is going to be which one's a little more disciplined. And sometimes being disciplined, being a lot disciplined is the way to be in today's NHL when there's, there's not a lot of difference in talent for the most part up and down the roster. But I think it's fair to say um, composure, power play. You're right about you know Pittsburgh is liable to come in tonight's game. They they go three for four on the power play. Yeah, I mean it could happen, it could happen. And I, I look the same thing for the Lightning. Lightning could have a big night on the power play too. I think that's expected a little bit more than Pittsburgh at this point. Although the the star power doesn't necessarily jive with the numbers from their perspective. I also think too for the Lightning coming back after a disappointing road trip, and I'll call it I'll, I'll call it what it is. You are the team you're playing immediately grabs your attention. So any type of letdown you may have after a road trip, that first game back that a lot of people want to say sometimes can be difficult to get in to the flow. Dave, that should be thrown out the window because there's a couple of things at play, the star power of Pittsburgh. And I think the, the building tonight is going to be, you know, filled with both fans. <laughs> so yeah. there's, it's going to be a festive atmosphere. And I think any type of lull Tampa Bay could experience coming into this game, I'd like to see that thrown away right out of the gate, because I think they're going to need to be ready to go. And that could be a good thing.
0: The Lightning have not had good performances in in some ways. I mean, they did win one game, The, the game against Edmonton, I'm talking about, if I'm remembering that right. The two times they left, yeah, it was after the Chicago road game. So twice they have finished a road trip and spent the night in the city and then flew home the next day. And that happened after they beat Montreal at the end of that road trip at the beginning of November and then had a great start in the home game against Chicago, but it was a bad game for the Lightning. They had a bad defensive night, and they ended up losing to the Blackhawks. And then they finished up the trip in Chicago, St. Louis, Chicago, beat Chicago, spent the night, flew home the next day, and had a bad first period against Edmonton. But then they rallied and won the game. That was a Saturday afternoon game. So this trip, they finished in Arizona, spent the night, flew home yesterday. The one difference that I noticed, this is a little unusual, but of course it was a long trip. Cooper gave the guys an optional today. The two previous times, because they had had a travel day, the day before it was a full skate. So he's trying to mix things up a little bit. And we'll see how they come out tonight. But those other two games, they were also coming off a win. And here they are coming off their second straight regulation loss. So I agree with you. I think that this game should have their focus. It should have their attention right from the opening faceoff. And look, if the Lightning continued to kind of have some issues... You know, the other option is you just come straight home after the game, right? And then you're getting in in the wee-wee hours of the morning, but then the next day you're home. They've decided to, to go a different way this year. And, and, you know, sometimes they do it the way that we've done it this year. Sometimes it's fly straight home. It kind of depends on what's up next on the schedule. But we have another one coming up in December when the Lightning finish that Western Canadian trip in Calgary on a Saturday. They're going to spend the night and fly home. On Sunday, So it's another one of those where you're not flying through the night. You're spending the night in the city and then flying back the next day. But you are correct. Like, they should be ready to play this game based on the opponent, based on the circumstances, based on what they got coming up in December. A lot of road games. This is one of their few home games on the schedule really leading up to Christmas. So as I said on the show yesterday, time to make hay.
2: Time to bank some points. Time to munch, right? That's what we like to say at Bolts Radio if you want to get involved. it is power lunch, right? So... Uh Get in on the conversation if you want. We're going to wait for Tim Benz. Let's get to a question while we wait. And by the way, I won't
0: ask you any more open-ended questions about where do you think they are in the ranking, (laughs) I realize, after the fact. I kind of put you in a tough spot.
2: You did well, though,
0: middle of the pack, right?
2: Middle of the pack, you know, middle of the pack. Yeah. You know, it's kind of – it's not a tricky question, but you're right. You have to talk it out loud. They've had some power play success, so you want to – you have to figure everything out a little bit. You got to talk about yeah. and uh before that happens. I think we've um, been
0: consistent in saying they have scored enough to win more games than they have this year. They have not yeah. kept the puck out of the net enough.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's all fair. Um I don't want to touch that question just yet from Al uh, Nikita. Nikita. Well, <laughs> David's asking about Cooper losing control of the team too long at Tampa. No longer has the necessary fire to get the job done. Time for a change. Who said Nikita that? Nikita said, This is a, a listener, David. Uh, uh, Are you saying me? I'm, no, I'm not no, no. saying that. <laughs> no, no, no. Nikita responded, You must have been hit in the head with a hammer. If you think that, Cooper's just fine. Team goes through a transition from within. Doesn't mean we need a clean house. Shaking my head. Yeah, you're going to have a lot of that. We I've seen more of that on the assistant coach's side this year about the Lightning need to make a change than Cooper. Cooper is not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. The
0: That's Lightning management, sillier. ever since Jeff Vennick bought the team, I mean, we've seen one coaching change. And... Yeah. I mean, part of that is Coop, right? Part of that is the team has done very, very well under yeah. John Cooper. But the Lightning are not a knee-jerk team. And... I don't know like changing the coach it's 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 not a decision that a general manager takes lightly it isn't I mean the wild are the one team to make a coaching change so far this year right and I mean they were just they were hemorrhaging like from the outside looking in what did they lost like 7 in a row right
2: and then Edmonton right pulled the trigger and...
0: Edmonton as well yes I'm sorry and and that was okay. for both those teams you know, where were the expectations about where the team was supposed to be and where are they? No doubt. And I think some of that played into it as well.
2: Um, we're here with uh, Tim Benz, good friend of mine from Trib Live and uh, longtime sports talk show host. The, the Penguins back uh, in the late 2000s made a coaching change from Terry into Balsma, and that ended up sparking the Stanley Cup against the Red Wings. Benzie, great to be with Did you. Did it again with you, Sullivan, too. That's that's very true. Uh, you are uh, you hear it from all ends about coaching changes and whether it's legit or not in Pittsburgh dealing with the Penguins and uh, the Steelers. But the Penguins, I don't think, are going to make any move with Mike Sullivan. He is what he is at this point. And uh, whether they've faltered in the playoffs a little prematurely over the years, I think is frustrating, but I get the sense the ownership group there loves him. His contract also prevents him from maybe being let go. And, you know, the star players like him a great deal, don't they?
3: You're very much right about the star players liking him because while I think part of what made him effective when he first got here was he was unafraid to coach up the star players and call them out when they were wrong or when they made mistakes or they weren't playing the right way, um, that has quickly, well, not quickly, but over time has become, uh, he's been now like a lot of other Penguins coaches, which is the star players are beyond reproach. You know, I, I think just like a lot of guys who have coached in this city now, um, he is very much in tune with what they want to do and how they want to play and uh, allows that style of play to continue uh, to any end that the stars want. Nothing has changed in that regard. It's been pretty well in sync ever since they won that first cup. I think you're also right about the ownership thing. Uh, the ownership does really like Mike Sullivan. We'll see how much he gets along with Kyle Dubis as time goes along so far. So good in that regard, but no, I, I don't see a coaching change coming I am concerned, like you pointed out, Greg, about how they respond to the whole Steelers coordinator change because if they start chanting fire, sully, <laughs> since the new coordinator of <laughs> Pittsburgh is also named Mike Sullivan, it might get confusing. So, Well, they won't I, go over I, the
2: middle. I, yes,
3: it, <laughs> they don't use the middle of the ice. Everybody knows this. Why don't they use the middle of the ice, Greg? Um, no, I, I think I, what I've suggested for Penguins fans is one side of the arena should chant fire, Faulkner, it's got a good cadence. It's got a good rhythm. Then the other side of the arena chants back, fire, sully. So at least there's a distinguishing point between the two Sullivans. That's, that's <laughs> the way I think we should go with this.
0: Tim, I still remember well when you joined us last year. And the Penguins, I think, had gotten off to a pretty good start. And, and you were maybe not the only one, but one of the people saying, basically, hold your horses here. <laughs> yeah. That they didn't do enough. Basically, you said last year. They didn't do enough during the off season to to make a decisive change from what this team had been before and they did miss the playoffs last year. Well, I'm looking at their roster this year. They've definitely made changes and both in terms of their their depth pieces, but then of course the big one was Carlson coming in. I'm not going to ask you about him right now, but I want to ask you about Latang because I think the consensus was Carlson's arrival would allow them to play Latang maybe less. He's on the other side of 35 he's got a lot of miles on him medical issues as well throughout his career but he has not played less he's actually playing more than Carlson and a lot of that has been shorthanded ice time which he's doing that more than he had in previous years because he's not playing on the top power play what can you say about his year this year like how does he look how is he handling these new responsibilities or more responsibilities shorthanded and, and do you think he's benefited basically from, from playing a little bit less on the power play but doing other stuff more?
3: Yeah, you touched on a lot of the important points. And just from the naked eye, and I, I really don't have the analytics in front of me to support this, but I, I have liked his season for the most part. And maybe it's because of all the things you talked about, whether it's shorthanded, even strength, or power play, where I think he's been able to breathe more, is he knows there's at least one other defenseman on the ice that can make plays happen. Um, and, and like you said, with the ice time, is it about him being fresher? Is it about, you know, just having more attention to detail because he's thinking more clearly because he's not so gassed all the time? Maybe. But I, I just think in general, he has played a more well rounded, sound game. Um, in part because I I just don't think there's as much pressure to have anything from the blue line go through him and him alone. And, um, yeah, you know, I I never expected him to play fewer minutes. I just thought they would both be out there for the same amount of time and we'd see the bottom six, excuse me, the bottom pair get next to nothing. Um, Yeah, the shorthanded thing from him, uh, I, I think it's appreciated how He's handled himself in that context. And no, there has been no noise yet about the power play split. You know, in general, people aren't happy with the power play. But I think the flaws with the power play have been consistent with what they were with Latang up top. And it doesn't matter if it was Latang or Carlson or if, you know, they were both heard of Marcus Pedersen was up there, whoever. Um, it's about largely the other guys on the ice, just the overall mentality of, They don't shoot enough. Uh, It's not enough about playing the numbers game, getting a puck towards the net, and then having the numbers advantage to crash, get the puck back, puck retrieval, and throw it on and make it ugly. It's still so much about making it look too pretty while you have the opportunity to make pretty passes as opposed to just getting goals.
2: Tim Benz from Trib Live joins us here on Power Lunch on Lighting Radio. Why does the power play stink? And I say that because you've got three Hall of Famers on it. I know you've discussed it at great length in your market, Benzi. But for those of us who aren't in Pittsburgh and watching this from afar, it seems pretty ridiculous. I made the comment to Mish when we were talking about some of the teams to look at this year. I said, look, I don't think the Penguins are a playoff team unless their special teams are in the top 10 in both. And I think that's a fair point. Tell me tell me where it's going wrong for Pittsburgh in that department.
3: The most cut-and-dry response that I can give is they don't have a true net front guy. Um, you know, if Gensel is playing the net front, he does it differently than, say, when they had Patrick Hornquist, who was a thick, big body that was difficult to move, annoyed the penalty killers in front of the goalie, annoyed the goalie. Gensel's really good at darting in and out of small spaces. And if it's timed up well that he gets there when there's a loose puck, he can bang it in or slide it across the slot to Sid or to the circle to, to Gino while the goalie's out of position. But he's not a true net front guy. Um, I also think it goes back to my previous point of – They just have the mentality of it's got to look slick more so than it's got to go in the net. Um, You know, and and I think they kind of have this mentality of we don't want to be greedy on the power play, where I think every great player should first and foremost think about being greedy on the power play. Like, and I don't, you know, there's that stat, there's that, I, I can't remember exactly what the numbers were, but one of the things that people were so excited about when they got Carlson here was, he had the best percentage of feeding the high slot on the power play of completed passes. Well, who's going to go there and who's going to make those passes complete and turn into goals? Like, take that first pass and put it right on net instead of trying to make the extra pass. And um, I think that's been a fault of theirs throughout. I mean, going all the way back to, uh, I think the most clear... Um, and best times where they've been on the power plays when they had true net front guys, you know, even going back to Lemieux days, they had Tockett and Stevens. Um, they had Garin. They had, you know, Kunitz was not a big version. He was sort of a smaller version of what Hornquist was and what Hornquist came to be when they haven't had the, they had Ryan Malone for that year where they got to the cup final and lost to the uh, Detroit Red Wings. When they've not had their guy that fit that prototype in a top six capacity, I think they've blown off the responsibility to replace that kind of player because it tends to make all the difference in the world in the power play.
0: Tim, the Penguins have had a very good defensive year so far, tied for sixth in team defense, and they have five shutout wins. What are they doing well defensively?
3: Yeah, you're, you know, you're right about that. The shutout wins, it, it kind of brings down their goals against, and you know, the, the ratio of when they have shutouts when they just get victories, it's kind of funny. It's like do you have to rely on your goaltender being at his hottest to win? And I think that has played into it. Uh, You would like to see them win more games like they did against uh, Tampa. You know, when it was a low scoring game, they gave up a couple and, you know, they don't have to, to, to win a one, nothing shutout or a two, nothing shutout, and then get an empty netter. You know, I think when they're at their best, they keep the goals down from the other team by not making mistakes in the neutral zone and getting into the offensive end and controlling play there. Um, I do think they are better at tracking back now. Um, I do think they have better players on the blue line to play the way that Sullivan wants to play to get it out of their own end without mistakes and having turnovers from uh, the red line back as they're trying to exit the zone that have resulted in fewer goals against, um, but I, I do think a lot of it is if they are to get back to the playoffs and be the team that everybody thinks they can be, you know, it's, it's meshing on nights where the defensive system and the exiting of their own zone, zone is sound when the goalie is having an on night as well. And that just hasn't meshed enough in, in recent years for them to be noisy in the playoffs or last year even get to the playoffs.
2: Tim Benz joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. Benzi, they wanted to upgrade their depth in the offseason. They got a bunch of players. Are they better?
3: Yeah, great question. Um, that is still to be determined. You know, they are relying on some guys uh, like Drew O'Connor, who are more homegrown that are, you know, starting to turn into something now. Uh, Eller, I think, has been a nice addition. Achari has come on more lately. Um, You know, the way they've pieced around the fourth and third lines through some injuries and and some guys that have just not been available has been, I I think they've done the best that they can with it. You know, one thing that I think has, you know, hurt them uh, lately is not only have they not had Raquel of late because of injury, he hasn't done anything when he was healthy, and uh, you know they had to dot him down a line, I think, for a little bit here and there for a game or two before he got hurt. So, you know, and, and they've also, with Rust being out the last couple of games before coming back, the most recent one uh, where he did score a goal against Nashville, that kind of juggled some things around. I do think they are a little bit better, but one thing that I'd love to see from this organization in the near future is to get third and fourth line guys that are their own. Homegrown guys uh, that are deserving of a call up, deserving of more playing time, that might be ambitious and uh, capable enough of being second liners. Um, you know, they do what Rust and Connor Sherry and Tom Kunacle and all those guys did when they really injected life when they came up as, as bottom line guys and then got elevated when they eventually made cup runs, especially Rust and Sherry. Th- those are the guys that are still not present all that much in this organization. Nylander got called up and has started to flash. And like I said, O'Connor's kind of been in that mix. Um, They need more of that uh, instead of relying on, Hey, let's get a 30 something year old guy for a one more contract or one more paycheck to see if he can be a good third or fourth liner. I I think that's kind of run its course here in Pittsburgh.
0: (laughs) Last question for me, Tim. I want to ask you specifically about two players that are not homegrown. (laughs) They came over during the offseason. I like both of them, uh, having seen them play for other teams. One is Riley Smith, who seems to be a, a big game player, a big moment to score a big goal type of player. How does he fit in? And the other is Ryan Graves, a guy who very quietly, like he led the NHL in plus minus a few years ago with Colorado. He had a great plus minus last year in New Jersey. And I really like him as as kind of a defensive defenseman. How have they fit in this year for Pittsburgh?
3: Yeah, I think the fit thing with Graves is a big deal. Um, this was just kind of a little nugget that I picked up on our pregame show on on 105.9 The X. Paul Steigerwald brought this up like from a conversation uh, that he had had with Graves when the Devils came to town and they played each other. And he, he said something to the effect of, there's no more polar opposite in terms of style and approach, especially in the penalty kill for what we were asked to do in New Jersey versus how we're supposed to attack the puck carriers and puck handlers in the offensive zone here in Pittsburgh. And maybe we didn't have an appreciation for that, for a style fit for him. It was kind of a nuanced statement. And uh, I think he's getting there. I think he will get there. I like his game. I like the acquisition. Um, there's a long line of Pittsburgh defensemen that ended up being pretty good at times where it took a long time for them to fit in the way it was viewed. Like uh, Gonchar was like that. Gonchar had a terrible first year here. And then he proved to be indispensable. Um, Paul Martin had a really bad first year here and then ended up being okay at times. Um, You know, so uh, I think maybe Schultz had a little bumpy start when he first got here and was very good thereafter. So, I, I kind of see that with Graves, and I, I think it's going to be a, a good fit. I like his build. I like his athleticism. I like his ability to stay on the ice if he's got to with Carlson and Latang for a long swath of time per game. So I've got hope for him, and Riley Smith is exactly how you describe them. Um, you know, I, I remember even back going back to Boston, he had a reputation of uh, he'll do a lot of little things for you. Um, he'll help you in the two-way game. Um, he, he's a good player, especially when he's hot offensively. He can make things happen in the offensive zone. He will give you the extended drought sometime, but uh, I, I, th- I liked what I saw, especially early in the season with how he was meshing with Malkin.
2: Lastly, let's stay with the stars. Benzie, what do you make of the play of, I'll call them the big four, Latang, Crosby, Malkin, and Carlson? And uh, my opinion, just all of them, I think, have, have played above the line, as, as Mike Tomlin would like to say, some better than others. But the decline in their play compared to where they are age-wise and how much they've played really hasn't been substantial, has it?
3: Yeah, it's kind of how you want to interpret the numbers. I mean, I mean if you look at sort of like the point-per-game stats, it's, it's eye-catching in the positive regard that you're speaking to, Greg. Um, I do think that one thing that you have to look at on the next layer of of stats, though, is and and people don't like this number, but shooting percentage, like where their shooting percentage has been um, in terms of ice time. Like when they were struggling, when they were in that losing rut uh, to open the season, you know, they were getting a ton of ice time and just not finishing. And that's gotten better. Certainly got better at the start of November. I thought the Stars played really well in that five game stretch that they won and it's been kind of different things. It's been fits and starts. It's been bad luck. It's been a bad period here or there as to why they've kind of gone uh, back South here and lost five of seven. They've played better in games than what the scorebook has indicated. But I think at the end of last year uh, for all the crap that Ron Hextall took the bad contracts, the bad trade deadline, uh, the goaltending not being what it should have been, One thing that nobody wanted to talk about was, collectively, the top six didn't produce the way it needed to. And that was a huge reason why they weren't able to get over the top and at least qualify in the playoffs. And we saw some residue of that when they got off to the slow start this year. They got better in early November and finished more often and did a better job for the huge swath of time that those top six guys get. It just it can't be an excuse at the end of the season of, oh, gee, the top four stars, the top six, the top two defensemen, uh, they just ran out of gas. Well, that can't be an excuse. This team is built for those guys to be stars. This team is built and, and, and completely funneled so that they are going to get them to the playoffs, that they are going to win a round of the playoffs finally for the first time since 2018 again. Um, they've got to deliver, and, and it can't just be, well, well, gee, they're older and they got tired. <laughs> Too bad. That's how the whole roster is construction, or constructed. Who else is going to get the job done if it's not them? So for, for some of the good numbers that they're showing now, that has to be the case in March and April, especially because I think it's going to be a dogfight again to be the seventh or eighth seed or the last qualifying team in the Metro to get into the postseason.
2: Do they get into the postseason?
3: Mm-hmm. I said yes at the start of the year. I said that Carlson would be enough of a difference in some of the tweaks that they made with Graves and the guys in the bottom six. That would get them in as the last playoff team. Um, 50-50, but I say 51% yes, they get it. <laughs> okay. not, not very – you're not very I mean, opt- like, well, no, I Greg, optimistic. I don't say optimistic. I can't believe what I watched last year. When they lost that game to the Blackhawks, I mean – <laughs> my faith was shattered in this formula ever working again um i i don't know who blows me away enough in the east to say that they absolutely can't get there if they kind of get better here around the holidays and i'll just say 51 percent they get into the eighth seed how about that
2: all right i i i feel you that's like the uh the, the completion percentage for kenny pickett and the Steelers, but you know you'll you'll take whatever you can get at this point. But this team, but this team can't
3: win every game sixteen to ten, Greg, or the hockey <laughs> equivalent true. of two to one that, with Tristan Char getting just enough shutouts to get you into the playoffs. I, there are some flaws right. in this formula too, you know.
2: Have fun watching the game tonight, Benzie, and we'll talk to you down the road, but Thank you.
3: Big win for Duquesne last night. Don't know if you saw it, but they took care of those anteaters from UC Irvine. So there you the go. Hope is alive, Greg.
2: Oh. Uh... <laughs> Bring back the alma mater. I love it. Thank you, buddy. Thank Appreciate you. Thanks,
3: as always, for having me on. Great catching up with you.
2: You got it. Tim Benz from Trib Live. Check out his work there. Uh, we go way back. Was that game at Duquesne or at UC Irvine? <laughs> I
0: don't That's know. That's a long trip for whoever the road team was.
2: You know, college football, college basketball. And I don't know if I'm if it's because I'm removed from it, partner. I used to be heavily involved in basketball and football back in, in the Berg. But I think it's just because of the, the player transfer, the portal, players moving. Yeah. It just, I, it, for me, I lost a lot of interest in that. And it just, you know, you've got players who have been in college athletics for six years still playing. I mean, like, it's just, I don't know. Come on, Maybe. though.
0: Who wouldn't want to be an anteater? <laughs> I confess,
2: I've never <laughs> an actually ant. heard... An ant.
0: A, I would love to see the mascot for the UC Irvine Ant Eaters.
2: <laughs> I don't even want to have
3: like that. Like one image. of those like, skinny
0: tongues coming out of the... Uh,
2: that's great. That's tremendous. So, you know, one thing about Benzie, I think he gives you an honest
0: Yeah, he does. Opinion. And, and he he gave them their props in some areas. But it is funny to hear the perspective from from somebody who covers another team, and, like, what would the Lightning give to have five shutout wins this year? They have two. They came in back-to-back games. Yeah. But he was like, yeah, yeah, they're defending, but, you know, that that's kind of skewed the numbers, and it'd be nice if they won a game without having to have a shutout. And, like, I understand what he's saying. Like, are you saying to Jari, listen, you need to pitch a shutout for us to win? I'm not sure that that's necessarily the case, but... Five shutouts in twenty one games
2: is that very number impressive. hits you, doesn't it? That number does hit you. And, There's no question about it. That does hit you. And they lost a game one nothing to the Rangers. I know. So I, I mean, know. under usual
0: circumstances, like that should have been enough to to win
2: that game. I'm kind of with you. It's you don't want to go down that rabbit hole a little bit because in many ways, as I've said often, stats don't lie. it, it may not tell. The whole picture, one hundred percent, but it's it's pretty accurate, you know. I mean, yeah. if you're, you know, if you're in football, if you have a high completion percentage, for the most part, you're having a good year, you know. Now, again, dinking and dunking, and maybe you're not throwing the ball downfield, so you're not taking a ton of risks. I understand that. Uh, it could be the same. Like Marty Brodour, I think is a really good example of some of that. Like he played in a system; they just didn't allow a ton of shots. But, you know, he'd have nights where he'd stop 18 of 19, 22 of 23. But at some point, his numbers and wins become so astronomical. What are you, what are you really going to say? It's like Dave Anderchuk. You get to over 600 goals. I mean, enough. En- enough is enough with the well. He didn't do this in this era, or he did he, he was never one of the top five players throughout uh, a portion of his career for an extended period of time. I mean, maybe that's true, but those numbers you can't overlook them. And five shutouts through how many games, Dave? You're right. You can't overlook them. D- are we gonna? Are we gonna look at Pittsburgh? from afar and say, I think they're one of those teams that they're just going to lock it down defensively every night and they're going to really suffocate you and you're going to have games where, you know, you can't even get 20 shots on goal. I don't look at them that way. But however they're doing it, and well, it might just be an upgrade in goaltending. And it sounds or like better puck possession.
0: Tending. I mean, that's what he was saying. They have the Correct. puck. They're not turning it over as they come up the ice and they're able to hold on to the puck a lot, which is kind of the way the Lightning played in their back-to-back losses. Now they had some turnover issues against Colorado that we we broke those down. But look, if you have the puck and you hold on to the puck, the other team is going to have a hard time scoring. Yeah. No, sure. I agree. I I agree. I now, agree. So, I'm looking at their roster and what I would say is So I mentioned at the top of the show, I think that their power play will improve. I mean it 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 would figure that their power play will not stay at 12.1%. And if they can continue to defend, they will be winning a lot more than losing. If we're looking big picture, though, and Tim referenced this, as did you. What are they getting from their bottom six? And, and they are playing their top four D a lot. They are. I mean, you look at the other defensemen. So P.O. Joseph's currently hurt 13 minutes averaging per game. Ryan Shea, a guy that that has played 17 games this year, he's in his first NHL season. He's playing 12:27. I mean, that's low for a defenseman. John Ludwig is their third pair lefty right now, playing with. By Shea. the way, nine thirty-three.
2: He's somebody. Time. He's somebody that since they brought in a physical presence. Yeah. And who's the big guy from Colorado? Or who McCarran? Where is McCarron? Nashville. He's with Nashville. Yeah. He dropped the gloves with him and, and held his own. And I just say that because you don't see that from Pittsburgh. <laughs> and you but he's been that. a guy. You would mention
0: yeah, that. But yeah. what I'm saying is yeah. they are leaning on their top 4 a lot. Correct. And it seems like I will say their top 9. They're leaning on their top 9 a lot. I mean right now what is their fourth line? You got Achari, you've got Matt Nieto and Carter, who I guess Maybe is Jeff playing Carter. right wing. I mean, Carter is playing under 10 minutes a game at forward. And yeah. Nieto and Achari are, are over 10, but I have a feeling they may be getting some penalty kill time. So they that's are. that's bumping them up a little bit. And that's the part that I would say, is Sully going to tilt his ice time toward his top forwards and top defensemen for the whole year, and you might say, well, a lot of teams do that. Look at Kucherov's ice time. Well, Kucherov's not 36, right? I mean, they have a lot of their guys are on the other side of 30 and close to or the other side of 35. What is that going to do to them as we get into the last third of the regular season? That's the part that I'm looking at. And, again, I'm not watching this team. But if you were to say, like, where are the Penguins – what is their formula, I see a lot of good things. Like, if you can defend, how many times have I said this? If you can defend and keep the puck out of your net, you're going to give yourself a chance to win. Their top guys are producing. But what I'm seeing is an inclination when you're in the heat of battle to continue tapping your top guys on the shoulder and saying, get out there, get out there, get out there. That's what we saw with Colorado last year, which we talked about. McCarr led the entire league in average ice time. And they had five forwards playing over 20 minutes a game. And For sure. is that the reason they went out in the first round? I mean, no, that wasn't the only reason. But when we played them this year, when we were just in Denver, I was looking at the ice time, and guess what? Jared Bednar is using his third and fourth lines more. Right. I mean, they had some turnover there. They, they, they changed things up. I mean, they have Ross Colton now as their third-line center. They're playing him, right? So that's a tough way to go when – you're asking your top guys to carry the load, not just offensively, but in terms of ice time for a full season.
2: Correct. We'll see how it plays out tonight. Yeah. Uh, regardless, it should be a fun game. And then you and I are going to recap it tomorrow on these airways. It is a Thanks big game tonight. for the Lightning. I mean, yeah, I don't say that.
0: It is. Uh, you know, if they lose this game is at the end of the world, of course not. You know, they they there's a lot of runway left. But. This is this is a little bit of a a dicey part in the schedule in terms of what they have coming up, how many road games, how much travel they have. This is a home game. They've been good at home this year. You need to consolidate this advantage. You need to pick up points against this Pittsburgh team.
2: Don't let a two-game losing streak go into five. No, certainly not. Partner, great job. We'll talk to you tomorrow, and I'll see you tonight. Yeah, pre games will be at six thirty thanks to Tim Benz, thanks to Steve
3: Nick and Austin, right? I'm Greg Glenally. You've been listening to Power Lunch right here on Landing Radio.